It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder Podcast, on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. It's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-A-S. You can follow the show on Twitter at L-O-Thunderpod. Email the show, L-O-Thunderpod at gmail.com. Call into the show for 05-362-7128. On this bonus pod to recap Friday night's game, a special Saturday episode, we're going to do just that. We're going to recap the Thunder Blowout loss against the Phoenix Suns and talk about the two rookies shining bright in this one. And this is the first night of a back-to-back. The Thunder play again tomorrow in Portland. Well, actually, as I'm recording this, they play today in Portland at 9 p.m. Just as I got my sleep schedule on track after spring break, it it just gets thrown right back off because of the West Coast swing and because I'm doing these bonus pods for you. But that's how much I love all of you listening. So let's get this started with the game overview the way we always do. And in this game, SGA, of course, was out with a foot injury. Darius Baisley is still out with that shoulder injury. We're waiting on Darius Baisley's second half of the season debut, where I think that he'll bounce back very kindly from his first half, but we keep getting deeper and deeper into his injury. Ty Jerome, who was battling an ankle injury, on the initial report was out and then was upgraded at 432 questionable for this game and eventually was available and did play. In this contest, Mike Muscala was still out with his ankle injury. For the Suns, you got to see the Suns team. I mean, you, they only missed Abdul Nader, old friend, Tory Craig, and Frank Kaminsky. This was pretty much the Phoenix Suns. And the Suns put on display today why they're one of the best teams right now in the Western Conference. They were just incredible. And the Thunder did themselves no favors in this game. Real quick, uh, for the game overview, I wonder if we see Ty Jerome today in Portland. Uh, just because it's a back-to-back and... He was dealing with that ankle injury. Maybe his ankle is 100% right now, and it was just some minor soreness, but you do want to be cautious with ankle injuries and the fact that he dealt with this injury before in the preseason, although I think it was on his left ankle in the preseason and now it's on his right ankle. But nonetheless, we'll see if he plays today. Back-to-back, it's tough managing injuries on the back-to-back, but I'm sure he'll be fine. He's still a young player, and everything will be fine. But monitor that throughout the day as the reports start to come out. I believe... Since it's a back-to-back, they do not have to list it at 12.30. They can list it at uh, 4.30, so check on Twitter for that, at Ryland underscore Styles. So let's get into this contest. And it started poorly and ended poorly, and it was not a lot of fun to watch this game. The Thunder start out, and they are down 22-5 to in this game. The Suns absolutely dominated from the, from the word go. It was 22-5. to The Thunder do not score their 11th point until it was inside a minute to go in the first quarter. They didn't crack double digits until it was inside a minute to go in the first quarter. That is, that's tough. That's tough. And in that first quarter, 
Tail Maldon was 0 for 4. And yet again, we see this team be able to bounce back in some way. Of course, you're not going to catch up. Whenever you start down 22 to 5, the odds of you catching up are minute. And then whenever you can't score double digits until a, a minute to go in the fourth, you're just kaput. But they still had moments in this game where they could show you some bright spots. And the two bright spots were your two rookies. It was Tail Maldon, it was Alexei Poshevsky. So Tail starts 0 for 4. And then he bounces back. And 0 for 4 could have really killed his confidence as a 19-year-old and a rookie and has a lot of responsibility right now. I mean, no SGA, no George Hill, no no calming veteran point guard on this roster to settle down that, that rookie, especially after a terrible start going 0 for 4. And he comes out in the second quarter and misses one shot, which was a heave at the buzzer of the half. So really he missed no shots if you don't count that heave at the end of the half. And he went on his way to shoot 55% from the floor after the 0 for 4 start. After that 0 for 4 start, he misses just four more starts the rest of the, of the game. That's three quarters worth of the game. He missed four more shots. That's it. He went 10 for 18. He went five for seven from beyond the arc, blitzing the Nets five three-pointers, and he was the money ball of this game, and he was also my pick for this game, so it's really good for me to get back on the winning side. He got to the line 10 times and went 8 for 10 at the stripe on his way to 33 points, a point shy of the Thunder rookie record for points scored, of course, held by Russell Westbrook. The big thing with Teo is that he never played out of control, and in this game, he still dishes out three assists. He had a couple more passes that, that were not cashed in for points, but were still very quality looks for his teammates. And that is the thing that really leaps out at you about Tim Allen's game. And think about how mature he actually is. Because for you to notice that he's doing the right play, that he's making the right play, making the right reads, and just simply doing the smart basketball, making the smart basketball decision on each and every possession, for you to notice something that small is a big deal because it means he's doing it at such a high level that it has to be noticed and cannot be pushed under the rug or swept under the rug. He's showing you his maturity and... The big thing is that he's getting more aggressive, and with that aggressiveness, it does not get interchanged with efficiency. That is a trait that Shea has. Shea can be more aggressive and still give you an efficient night. And Tail's doing that right now. He's giving you more aggressiveness, and he's being still efficient. Another thing that leaps out is that his demeanor has changed a bit. And he talked about this after the game with us, and he told us after the game that he's trying to get to the line more. He's studying how to get to the line, how to get fouls for himself and go to the free throw line. As we talked about with Shea at the beginning of the year, whenever Shea gets to that line, and whenever any player can get to the line, it transcends you from an average score to a good score, from a good score to an all-star level score, from an all-star level score to a superstar level score. It gets you up the ladder, and it comes from the free throw line. A lot of guys can go get buckets at the floor, but the way that you transcend your game past that is by the free throw line and the free throw attempts, and this game, Teo has 10 of them. It's easier to do without SGA. That's not a knock on SGA. It's just that you get more opportunity. You get 31 minutes a night with the ball primarily in your hand. These are the guys that have to share the ball with. You have to share the ball with Poku, Isaiah Roby, Moses Brown, Smith Luke, Kendrick Williams, Tony Bradley, Josh Hall, Ty Jerome, and then 12 minutes worth of Justin Jackson and six minutes worth of, of Darius Miller. And most of those guys are not point guards. None of those guys are true point guards, although the Thunder do run around that system of having everyone be versatile and everyone uh, can dribble the ball and handle the ball. But Taylor Mellon's still the primary ball handler. So, of course, as the primary ball handler, he gets more opportunities to go to the line, but it's about the aggressiveness that way he can get to the line. And in this game, again, you do not trade off efficiency, and you also do not trade off very many turnovers, considering that defenses could really swarm for him and on him, and he's not playing with 
this fully loaded roster and it's already a roster that's seven games under 500 and you take away SGA, you take away Darius Baisley and you take away those players that defenses are keying in on. In this game, Teo has five turnovers. SGA is averaging three and he's had plenty of four turnover games. So whenever you exchange Teo for SGA and then you take away Baisley, who although he's not having a good, a good year this year, defenses are clearly game planning for him. That's why He's not having a good year this year. It's been pointed out multiple times. And yet, Teo's able to be aggressive, efficient, and not turning the ball over at an alarming rate. He had five turnovers today, and I cannot find a single person that is railing against that because they weren't particularly noticeable. And this season, he's averaging two turnovers. And Mark Daynott told us that he wants them to get more turnovers. So that sounds weird, but turnovers for young players are learning opportunities to where you can see you know, like Poku. Poku, at the start of his career, he was doing some wild stuff. And he still has moments where he's trying to behind the back pass it a bit and trying to do a little bit too much there. But he's calmed down dramatically from the, from the start of the year. It allowed Poku to grow as a player. It will allow Tail Maldon to grow as a player. And again, those five turnovers are not just some obscene number. And those have been proven to go down and reduce regarding the talent around him as he's only averaging two turnovers per game. And of course, getting more minutes now as a point guard without SGA. So... Teo did phenomenal, and he has a lot of SGA in his game because he's so versatile. Of course, that's not to say that he's SGA, because SGA is an all-star caliber player who I think can be the number one option on a championship team. I, I don't think that Teo Maldon can be that yet. I, I'm not, I'm not going to go that far just yet with his career, but he's 19 years old, and he's being efficient, he's getting to the line, and he's able to shoot the ball, which allows him to play off-ball. And whenever you can add him in as an off-ball player or have him as a primary player, then it allows you to build a better team around him. As we talked about with the preseason with SGA, SGA makes this rebuild so much easier because if the best player available in whatever draft that you do get lottery luck in is a point guard, you can feel very comfortable with drafting a point guard because you can move SGA off the ball, no questions asked, and still have him thrive in that role. On the flip side, if the best player available is a wing or a shooting guard, you have assurance that SGA can be a point guard as well. So his versatility allows you to create a team around him a lot easier than if he's boxed in. It's harder to build a team around Ben Simmons than it is SGA. Both really good players, both great players, but one is much more versatile than the other. One can do more things than the other. With Teo, of course, he's not going to be the primary focus of the rebuild, but it's twofold here. What if you run across another point guard like Teo Melvin who slips and who falls, but he's not as versatile as Teo. He cannot shoot uh, the catch and shoot. He cannot spot up. He, he cannot be a stationary three-point shooter the way Teo can. Well, if you catch another point guard that falls and is on your bench unit, make him the point guard and Teo the shooting guard. Like Teo's versatility moves just beyond the starting five, and it really allows you to have great depth of, uh, on top of whatever he can turn into as a 19-year-old. His role and his impact is not defined yet and won't be defined for a couple of years. We do this a lot with Poku. It's true as well with Teo Maldon, and you're seeing his maturity, and that should not be overlooked, but I think that because he's making the game look too easy, the same way SGA makes the game look easy, that we kind of forget this is not a finished product here. This is not the fully formed Teo Maldon. It's easier to see upside with an unpolished Poku than it is with a guy like Teo who already looks like a veteran, according to Kendrick Williams. Kendrick, Mark Dignott, Fans, the media, everyone says he looks like a veteran. And so it's harder to see that he can be more than this. But he can. He's 19 years old. And the, just the future is bright for, for Teo Maldon, who almost had the rookie record for scoring in this one. Of course, at a career high with 33 points. Coming up, let's talk more about Alexei Pokashevsky and get into Poku propaganda. 
We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. We are back on Locked On Thunder on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. If you're just checking out this podcast right now, follow along on any podcast platform that you are listening on. And we do this every single day, Monday through Friday. Never miss an episode. It's the daily podcast about the Oklahoma City Thunder. So tune in and follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. That's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. Right now, let's talk about Alexei Pokoshevsky. And he is another player who got elevated as, as, as Ty Jerome did. He moves from health and safety protocol, which he was out with on Wednesday, to available uh, on, what's today, Friday. I'm losing my days here, folks. And Poku goes for 20 points, and he shoots 50% from the floor, 66% from deep, which if you told anyone that Poku would do that NBA game this year back in January, they would have called you crazy. They would have called you insane. There's no way Poku can shoot 50% and 66% from the floor and the three, respectively, and do so with four, with 14 shot attempts. No way. And circling back to Teo Maldon real quick, these are the only two players in the history of the NBA to score 20 or more points in a single game as teammates under the age of 20 years old. Future is bright. Because in this game, you didn't even get to see SGA play, who's a part of your future, or your 17 future first-round draft picks. I am as guilty of this as anybody. It's easy to stress out over June 22nd. I am very nervous about that because it can truly change the direction of this franchise for better or worse on June 22nd at 7.30. And June 22nd should be treated like that. However, if things do not break your way, you have SGA, Alexei Pogoshevsky, and Teo Malbaum, along with 17 future first-round picks, whatever Darius Baisley can turn into, and a handful of potential bench contributors for a really good team. So there's a lot of pressure on June 22nd. And if you don't get a top five pick and you wind up with pick eight slash nine and pick 20 from Miami, that is a doomsday scenario. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. It's also not the end of the world. It's just a missed opportunity. And a big one, a big missed opportunity. Because if you had Cade Cunningham, Jonathan Kaminga, Jalen Green, if you had one of those guys on this team, you would get that success immediately. It would be like microwaving a TV dinner right now today to satisfy your hunger versus thawing out the meat, grilling on the grill, letting it cool down, preparing the sides, then finally eating, right? Either way, they're going to be at least satisfied. One is a lot quicker than the other. So while it might take longer if you don't cash in on this year's pick, you still have a really bright future no matter what happens June 22nd. And we're seeing that with Alexei Pokashevsky, who scores 20 points tonight, dishes out four assists, gets a steal, five rebounds, four for six from beyond the arc, creating his own shot as a seven-footer, being a playmaker, being an amazing facilitator as a seven-footer, mind you, with a few more great passes that never came true, Poku is allowing the game to slow down for him. And, if, and again, he's not as polished as Tail Maldon. 
but you can see the potential in the flashes there. And that's more than what you should have expected this year. This year is supposed to be that redshirt season. It's supposed to be that make mistakes year where anything is gravy. Because remember, at the time of the draft, there was legitimate question marks from most people about if Polk would even come over to, to the NBA this year. Now, I always said on Locked on Thunder that he would, but we also expected there to be a longer season in the G League, and that's where he'd spend the majority of his time. But instead, he's starting NBA games and playing 32 minutes a night in this stretch and doing it adequately and playing solid defense. And, and what's impressed me the most is his basketball IQ at a young age. He's 19 years old, and he's, and this cannot be understated, he's playing against YMCA talent prior to this year, and he jumps in in his 27 games in the NBA. His defense has been his most consistent trait. And now they're playing him at small forward, where I think will, what, what will be his traditional and, and his typical position will be small forward moving forward. So let him learn and grow on that end as well. And offensively, his game is truly coming along. And we knew that his shot would eventually fall. That was that was no concern. But the confidence also never wavered, which is also great. And the way that he's getting himself open looks is encouraging. I just want to watch this team at full capacity. I just want to watch SGA, Dale Maladon, and Poku play 30 minutes a night together. And I cannot wait for that to happen. It, it sounds like it might not happen until next year, but it will be fun regardless. That's still just wild. Anytime you can do something for the first time ever in a sport, it's incredible. But Teo and, and Alexei teaming up to be the first pair of teammates in NBA history under the age of 20 to score 20 plus points in the same game. That's special. That's really special. And we'll see how they can grow and be consistent because Teo's been a lot more consistent than Poku has to this point, which again is very expected. But you're seeing why he was picked in the first round this year. And you're seeing why the Thunder traded up for him and why the Thunder circled him the entire draft process. I was somebody who thought, well, this is getting too out of hand. But that's how, that's how much the Thunder wanted him. That an organization who never leaks anything we knew from day one in the process they're going to want Alexei Pokashevsky. And to the point where I was saying, this does not seem right. This seems fishy. The Thunder never do this. And, and there's just too much smoke around this for this to be actually what the Thunder want to do. They've had those rumors about Matisse Thibel and, and other players. This has to be something that's just a smokescreen of some sort because it's getting too out of hand. Everyone and their mother knows it's Alexei Pokashevsky who the Thunder want. And they actually took him. And you're seeing why. You're seeing those flashes. And, and what he can turn into is dangerous to even talk about. Like, he could be a max contract player. He could be a all-star, multiple-time all-star player. It's crazy because he's so young and because there's still question marks and because we've hardly ever seen a player like Poku before. But it it's real. It's legitimate. The payoff is probably going to take two, three, four years. But this can be something really special. This can be a Giannis type of player, not the play style, but the perspective to where you look back and you think, how in the world did this guy go uh, you know, under the radar and, and get passed over so much? And there's woge pods about documenting his pre-draft process. And we figure out 15 GMs who make up that they would have drafted him if, if it weren't for so-and-so opportunity or so-and-so chance. And, and they start to say, oh, I knew all along he was going to be a great one. That's the kind of player Poku can be. He can be a revisionist history player where you have to backpedal and have revisionist history to not seem so clueless for missing him. 
I was very hesitant on Poku before the draft. And I'm still not quite ready to crown him, but the fact that we can even have the hypothetical and have the dream about what Poku can be so early on, I was fully expecting for this season to have zero takeaways from Poku. Absolutely zero. Because I'm, I'm fully on board with not taking away anything bad that he does. Any negative play this year, I do not care about whatsoever. Because he's so young, because he's so raw, I will not hold anything negative against him this year. And so I expected there to be a lot more negative than positive, and that's not been the case this year. He's already been a positive player, in my opinion, especially when you take away the pre-bubble. And I know that that's kind of cherry-picking a bit, but I do think that if we had a full offseason and we did not have the condensed offseason, that he wouldn't have looked that shell shock out of the gate because he would have had more time to adjust to the American lifestyle. He got drafted in mid-November and was in training camp in early December, December 1st. That's a crazy turnaround to change your entire life. Literally everything about your life changes. Not just going from Nebraska to Oklahoma. You're going from overseas to Oklahoma and to America and to a new country and with hardly anyone around you because of the restrictions that you previously knew because of the restrictions about COVID. So, I think that if I think it's fair to take away the pre-bubble stuff without feeling like you're cherry picking anything. And Poku to already look this comfortable at the NBA level does wonders for what I think his timeline can be. His timeline now goes from what I was projecting to be three and a half, four years until you see true results to what if what if he takes this off season and overturns his body and comes back next year and is a legitimate starting caliber player to where he might steal Baisley's spot in the starting group. Or he might have it alongside Basley. Is that a possibility? Like that, just the fact that we can wonder that aloud without sounding insane is a huge leaping point in his development. Is more than I ever thought we'd be at at this stage on whenever he was drafted on what, November 15th, whatever, whatever the day the draft was uh, this year. Poku deserves a ton of props and we need to start Poku propaganda and getting him into that rookie of the year race. And he was a nominee for the Rookie of the Month Award. The NBA PR sent us that in the media. That's how good he's been, that the entire entire national NBA landscape's taken note of this. That's very fun. Coming up, we're going to recap uh, the player of the game, the bet of the day, the money ball pick, and also talk about Justin Jackson again. That's on the other side. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. We are back on Locked On Thunder Podcast, on Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Ryland Stiles. You can follow me on Twitter, at Ryland underscore Stiles. Okay, so let's wrap this thing up. One more quick shout-out to Justin Jackson. Again, I know he's a professional, but in 12 minutes, he goes 5 for 8, Get you 15 points, was simply ready to play in this game, and 
did so in a professional manner to where he didn't take away from the team. And I think that this stretch here of efficient basketball, something that's kind of evaded him in his career, will get him a job next year on a contender. Whenever the contenders are filling out their back end of the roster, you're filling out your final one or two roster spots. I think Justin Jackson will be close to, if not actually, a minimum player. So what better value than a microwave kind of score in Justin Jackson who a contender in game 60 can throw out there for 12 minutes and he can heat up you 15 points and kind of get your offense on track a bit if you're sputtering. That's a that's a great value for the regular season in an 82-game stretch, which we think next year will be. While I don't think Justin Jackson can ever have a playoff role in this league again, I think that that's passed him by a bit. He can certainly be a nice bench score for a contender for the first 82 games of a season and then just go away in the postseason. And I think that in a roundabout way, him not getting opportunities on this team is helping him because he's showing, hey, even without playing for a month and even while only playing when there's absolutely, literally no other choice but to play Justin Jackson, that's the only time he gets to play is whenever you just reluctantly have to play him because you'd rather play the young players but they're all hurt right now or shut down. After not playing for weeks on end, he's able to, boom, enter the game and be an efficient scorer. A trait that he would need on a contending team because I don't think he's a rotational player anymore in his career, especially on a contender, but he can be that once every fifth, sixth, seventh game. You need that kind of scoring to heat up the team or give your team energy. He might be able to do that and fill that role. So the fact he's a consummate professional, that's probably not the right way to say that word I was trying to say, but nonetheless, despite all of that, he could find himself a job next year just based on what he's hap- what's happening for him this year. So uh, the MVP of this game is Taylor Maldon. Taylor Maldon bouncing back from that 0-4 start, missing four shots after that is the MVP. The money ball pick is Taylor Maldon. I cashed that in. I bet Oklahoma City plus 13. Yeah, uh, that was not a good choice by me. But I, I believe in this team too much uh, to have that kind of fiery spirit against Phoenix. Which, by the way, how good are the Phoenix Suns? I, I think that we might be underselling the Western Conference playoffs this year because I think that we're kind of scared, right? Because we always we always find these teams in the regular season to talk ourselves into. And then come the playoffs, it's LeBron, it's the Lakers. They're just simply going to turn it on and be better than you. But in this season, I like what Utah's doing. I like what Phoenix is doing. I like what Denver's doing after getting Aaron Gordon. Could the Western Conference playoffs be one of the better playoffs we've seen in recent history. Because I think that all those teams can give you a run, and I think the Mavericks can put up a fight. Look what the Mavericks did last year to the Clippers. A couple of things go differently. The, the ejection, the injury to KP, to Luka, all that goes differently. And all of a sudden, the Mavericks up to, upset the Clippers in the first round. I think we might be in store for a really good Western Conference playoffs. And I like the Eastern Conference as well. I like Miami in a play, as a playoff team. I like Philadelphia. I like Brooklyn, of course. But the Western Conference could be really, really solid. And I know that this game is against one of the worst teams in basketball with the Thunder. But still, they showed out. And Devin Booker and Chris Paul work, work together very well. And Chris Paul just continues to age like fine wine. And he goes 100% from the floor. Eight for eight, 17 points. Booker pours in 32. And then Bridges is truly coming into a zone with 17 in this game and on 70% shooting, I think it's very easy and safe for us to pass this off as, yes, the regular season, these kind of teams sprout up all the time. Look at the Hawks, look at this, look at that. 
It'll be LeBron. It'll be the Lakers in the end. But this could be one of those years where, where just craziness happens in the NBA. Look at that. We're at the 25-minute mark on a podcast that I fully expected to be like 10 or 12 minutes to recap this game. But what can I say? I love to ramble. If you made it this far, follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. It's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. Be good and be good to one another. We'll see you in a couple hours against Portland. It's 1 a.m. right now as I'm stopping this recording. So be good and be good to one another. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.